seated. Good to see you here tonight. Glad to see each one of you. And uh, good to be here for a midweek service. I have a, a card I wanted to read to you um, from Jason and Kate Christensen. And it said, Dear Pastor Mark and church family, we're so thankful to be members of this body of Christ and are amazed at how well the body has cared for us. Thank you for every meal, prayer, card, and gift. Our cup truly runneth over. We love y'all. I like the way he spells y'all in there. Uh, Jason and Kate. And so thank you for continuing to pray with them. And we're going to give you an update a little bit later on. Um, but I, I had the chance to talk with Jason yesterday for a little bit. He, is, he and Kate both are, are just so gracious that God brought them here uh, a year ago, March, and brought them to our church, and we're thankful for it. Um, just a couple of announcements here. Well, more than a couple. A couple is two, right? There's more than two. Um, Friday, we're doing the Amazing Grazing Fellowship. That's going to be at the Little Dutch Restaurant over in Morristown. It's on Cumberland. And a good restaurant. I hope you can make it. If you can, please use that sign-up sheet uh, back here and the information table. And uh, they're meeting there at 11 a.m. And then on Saturday... Our teens, for parents and grandparents in here, our teens are going to the Wonderworks, and they're leaving the church at 10 in the morning. So please have your kids here by 10 and returning somewhere around 3.30, it looks like. And then Sunday, uh, Dr. and Mrs. Edwin Shelley are going to be with us. Um, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be Sunday morning only that they're here, and uh, they're going to be joining us uh, to share about uh, they're going to be sharing about the Berean Bible Baptist College and Seminary in Bangalore, India. And I mentioned to you Sunday, you can go online and look at that, that school's website. They've got, a, they've got a good website. You can learn about the history of it. I believe it was his father that started or was instrumental in starting this seminary. And the work they're doing in India is fantastic. Can, I can't even imagine. Can you 1.3 billion people... Those numbers are, you had that many zeros on, on the end of a number. That just boggles my mind. Um, so I, I could safely say that no matter how many preachers they are putting out, it's not enough for that nation alone. Uh, and so come Sunday, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Dr. Chelly. I think that'll be great. Uh, there are also a couple more sign-up sheets out there. Our adult ladies are going to be going to the island over in Pigeon Forge, not this Friday, but the following Friday, leaving here at 430 uh, so if you'd like to go, please sign up. We need you to sign up for Trunk or Treat coming up at the end of this month. We're going to have a good time uh, with that. Boy, I hope the weather on Trunk or Treat night is like it has been here the last few days, don't you? This is my favorite time of the year. Um, not too hot, not too cold. Kind of right there in the middle where it should be. Uh, but that's coming, the, the Ladies Island trip coming up on the 21st, and then Trunk or Treat coming up, of course, on the, or the 20th for the ladies. And the 31st for Trunk or Treat, if you uh, would like to donate any candy for that, you're welcome to. You can just drop it off in the, uh, you can drop it off in the uh, office. Uh, you don't have to leave a note or anything. We know at this time of the year, if candy shows up, we know it's for Trunk or Treat. Candy shows up any other time of the year, we just, it's fair game. So, you know, first come, first serve on it. Um, but we appreciate all y'all do for, for our outreach in this area uh, looking forward, looking forward to uh, that as well. Um, so tonight we're going to continue. Uh, tonight is actually part one of, of a study on the stories of Samson and Delilah, and so tonight will be part one. Lord willing, next week we'll do part two, um, as we we really um, well we we begin to talk about the end of Samson's life. This this is the beginning of the end. Uh, chapter sixteen and verse four 
it starts the beginning of the end for Samson. And so we're going to look at that tonight and then again next week uh, to wrap that up. But I hope you, you brought your Bibles tonight. When we shake hands here in a moment, if you didn't get a, uh, if you didn't get a uh, prayer bulletin or a study sheet, and you'd like a study sheet, but I certainly encourage you to get one of those prayer bulletins, uh, do that so we can, so we can uh, pray together intelligently over the next week. Uh, and that's a, that's a great tool for us. Well, let's stand together, would you? We're going to sing one more song. I'm glad you're here tonight. And I hope, you, uh, I hope you're excited to be in God's house. But we're going to sing, so Brother Jeff will come back and he'll let us know what we're singing next. Page number 555. Page number 
Amen. Well, tonight, let's, uh, let's do one of those mix-it-up nights. Can we do that? Let's start with Bible study and end with prayer. How's that? Threw you a curve, didn't I? Baptist churches change the order of service. Everything falls apart. I tell people all the time when I see them sitting where they don't usually sit, I said, you can't do that in a Baptist church without warning somebody. So, so let's start with Bible study tonight and conclude with our prayer time. And so I'll ask you, if you would, to turn to Judges chapter number 16. <clears throat> Judges 16. So we're in this text now, and we're going to shift between verses 3 and 4. Um, I don't know how much time has passed between those two verses. You remember verse 3 from last week um, where uh, Samson escaped from those who were uh, lying in wait for him. Remember, he spent the night with a prostitute. They said, we're going to wait here and catch him in the morning. And he woke up at midnight. The Bible says he grabbed the gate. He grabbed the posts and the bar of that gate. And he took it 38 miles away, mostly an uphill climb, carrying I don't know how many thousands of pounds, um, and that was it. They, not only did he escape, but he stole the gates from their city as well. Uh, they probably took a team of oxen to get them back once they located them. Can you imagine something getting stolen from here and ending up over on the other side of Knoxville? Well, that's kind of how that went. So I don't know just how much time has passed between verses 3 and 4, <clears throat> but it switches quite a bit. Um, it's interesting, by the way that uh, the location of this, the location of this uh, story in Judges 16 is the location of the attacks that are going on right now in the nation of Israel. We're reading about Gaza uh, some 2,000, 3,000, about 3,500 years ago. And now it's, uh, that city is in the news this, uh, this evening. So if that helps you as to where this is located, you're hearing a lot in these days also about Ashkelon. Uh, there in Israel. Ashkelon and Gaza were two of the key cities of the Philistines. So what you're, what you're hearing in the news today uh, is around cities that are over 3,000 years old. It kind of makes us as Americans in our little night in 1776 as our birthday, kind of makes us feel a little young, doesn't it? When we're talking about these cities that have been around for thousands of years. So that's where he's at. He's in Gaza. Let's look at this. Uh, let's look at this tonight in this light. And I know you know the story of Samson and Delilah, but I've entitled our study tonight "The Stories, Plural, of Samson and Delilah." And there are uh, a few characters here. Of course, there are the main two characters, Samson and Delilah. There are the five lords of the Philistines. You'll read about these five lords, and there is it's referring to the kings of those five key Philistine cities. There are also uh, these men who are hiding in Delilah's house. And you know the story how they're, uh, she's trying to capture him. She's offered some money, and so she's trying to capture him and find out the secret of his strength. So are there, there are these five lords who are the leaders of the Philistines. And then there's this, group of, uh, there's this group of men who are hiding in Delilah's home, and their intent is to capture uh, Samson, and they're going to put an end to this guy who's just wreaking havoc among the Philistines. So we're going to try to study this, and as I said just a few moments ago, we're going to do this in two parts, Lord willing, this week and next week. And there's a lot to learn in these stories of Samson and Delilah. Not stories of romance and love, but about the dangers of getting too close to the enemy. 
about the danger of toying with sin. Putting yourself in a position and then being so confident in your flesh that you mess around and it might cost you your life. Now, we look at Samson's life and think, boy, I'd never do that. But the truth is we do. We put ourselves into situations where temptations uh, will come a lot easier. we got to be careful about that. Don't put yourself into situations where the temptations, you know they're going to come. Do you remember in the New Testament, Paul would write and he would say things like this. Give no occasion to your flesh. Don't be ignorant of, of the devil's devices. Be on guard against those things. So this is what we're going to learn because their story, rather than being one of romance and love, their story is one of lust and greed and deception and destruction. And this story, their stories here, it's a warning against those who would trifle with sin. Paul said in, in the book of Romans, he used a phrase that I grabbed onto a long time ago and, and it just sticks with me. And it, it says that sin might become exceeding sinful. And Christians, one of the dangers that you and I face is we just get used to it. And sin is no longer all that sinful to us. We'll call things mistakes that are not mistakes. We'll call something a weakness that's not a weakness. Sin to you and to me, and I would to God it would have been to Samson, sin needs to be exceeding sinful to us. You know what that'll do? It'll drive me more toward the Lord Jesus Christ. If I see sin as exceeding sinful, something I don't want anything to do with. If I see a rattlesnake, I don't want anything to do with that rattlesnake. I, I don't want anything to do with him. And if I would see, and the reason is because I, personally, I think rattlesnakes are exceeding dangerous. They're, they're dangerous. They've got fangs, they've got venom, they've got speed, everything's on their side, but I have legs and I have a shovel with which I will cut that snake's head off with. I, I stay away from rattlesnakes. And people who mess around with them and get bit, well, that's your fault. You want to mess around with them? But I do that with sin sometimes. And you may do that with sin sometimes. We mess around with it, we'll get bit. Well, Samson's going to mess around with a rattlesnake in this story, and he's going to end up getting bit. So this is a warning to us not to trifle with sin. Sin is deceitful, and sin is deadly, and I know that there are pleasures in sin for a season, but the Old Testament in more than one place says the end thereof are the ways of death. So you have to ask yourself, do the temporary short-lived pleasures of sin outweigh the permanence of their destruction because sin is just costly. So let's look tonight at the beginning part here, the stories of Samson and Delilah. And just to jump into it, let's read the first three verses there. Or, Well, it's the first three verses of our text, starting at verse 4. We'll read verses 4, 5, and 6. It says, And it came to pass afterward that he, Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah, and the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Now, you know what's amazing to me is that 
Samson did not see the glaring danger of that request. Does that, does that ever grab you? That's like, that's like walking up to Superman and saying, Superman, what's the one thing in the entire universe that's going to take away your strength? What's the one thing that's going to weaken you? She walks up to him, and is she, is she hiding anything at all here? Samson, tell me the source of your strength and tell me how to overcome it so you can be afflicted. That's just plain English. Well, those three verses begin the end of Samson's life. When she makes that request in verse number 6, everything from here forward is on a downhill slide. It's going to be a mess for him. So let's jump into that tonight, the stories of Samson and Delilah. And let's ask God if he would to just help our understanding and help us to do this. Let's ask God's spirit to help us not to blow this off. Let's not come to this and thinking, well, I think I, I, think I don't have to worry about that. Paul tells us later, we, we need to be careful that we don't think more, more highly of ourselves than we ought. So let's ask God to help us to apply this personally to us. I tend to, I don't know if you do this when, when we're not filled with the spirit, but I might look around and see, boy, I wish so-and-so would have been here for that message. They could have used it. Do you ever do that? You know, I had a college professor, and he talked about bringing a shovel with you to church. And he said, some of you, you don't bring your Bible, you bring a shovel. And as the sermon comes to you, you just take it and you scoop it wherever you think it needs to be. Well, let's ask God to help us not to do that tonight. But let this word come to our hearts, and let's engraft his word in, and see if this is something in there for me and for you, okay? Father, we do thank you for your word, and I know there were a lot more people that lived in this time than we know of in the Bible. You've, you've chosen certain men and certain women, and you've put their stories, successes and failures. You, you put them in here, and Samson certainly uh, has a life, Lord, that we don't want to emulate, but we do want to learn from it. And so I pray, Father, even as we go over this again tonight, and it's a familiar story to perhaps everyone in here, that we'd be careful to pick up on those things that you would have for us. There are warnings in here, and there are caution lights, and there are uh, directional things telling us not to go down this road. And so help me, Lord, to take your word to my heart. I pray that you'd strengthen me because of what we talk about tonight. I pray that you'd help me to be on guard against sin and Satan's deceptiveness. And Lord, may I not think more highly of myself than I ought. Help me to remember that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and that without you I can't do anything. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take your word tonight and make it for us. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, stories. We're going to look, look hopefully we're going to look at three stories of Samson and Delilah. And the first one I, I wrote down is this. Theirs is a story of love. It is a story of love. It says right there in verse number four that it came to pass afterward. He loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. He loved her. So the first thing is, Samson loved a woman. He loved a woman. Now, you've been following our, our study. It began back in Judges 14. This is the third woman, at least in the scriptural record, that Samson has had a relationship with. We started in chapter 14, and he, he saw this woman that's in Timnath. And then we saw last week about this harlot in Gaza, chapter 16 and verse number 1. And now here is Delilah. 
All three of these regions that are defer, or all three of these women rather live in regions that are under Philistine control. Timnath is in Philistia. Gaza is in Philistia. Today, Gaza is part of Israel because Philistia no longer exists. But back then, it was part of Philistia. All of these women were apparently Philistines, and he was attracted to these women who were pagan and who were forbidden to him, not only as a Nazarite, but as a Jew. He should never have had any relationship with these women. The the Jewish people were told not to intermarry or have relations with, Uh, outside of the nation of Israel. But you know, you've been here these last few weeks, you know that his life was lust-driven. It drove him toward immoral relationships, and that has been a hindering snare in his life all along. Now, the, the fact is this, that God gave us sexual desires. He built in men and women sexual desires. But he gave us those to exercise within the pure confines of marriage. And by marriage, one man, one woman. This is God's plan. That's the framework he He gives it to us in. When we step outside of that framework, when we step outside the boundary of marriage and we violate God's sexual law, there is a line that's crossed and it's, it's interesting because sexual sins in the New Testament, they're kind of put into a category all their own. Did you know that? Sexual sin has a grip on people like no other. It's what's killing our country today. Well, even in the church. The pornographic society in which we live is killing even the church. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. Flee fornication. Now, you know, fornication, that's the umbrella word that describes sexual deviance, sexual sin. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Mark that verse. Pornography is not, an, it's not a sin without consequence and it's not a sin without victim. Extramarital affairs are not, or premarital affairs, they're not sins without victims. There is a hook in sexual sin that grabs and grabs deep and it holds. One of the hardest habits to break is the addiction to pornography. If you've ever read through the scientific and and psychological studies of repeated pornography, it will will reveal to you that it reshapes the brain and how how the brain thinks overall. Every man that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Samson had a deep-seated problem with sexual sin. All of the sins, in fact, I, I'll say this, all of the sins that you read about Samson, they tie back to his sex life. I, I'm just cautioning you, church, that you live in a society where pornography is so freely available that you must be on guard. Back in the day, you would not find any nudity at all on your mainstream, uh, your mainstream free TV channels. You never would have found it. Guard against it. 
Don't let your standards lower for what you will accept in TV. Don't let your standards lower for what you allow your children to see. Don't buy into it that this is just part of the real world. Guard them. Guard them. Keep their heart with all diligence as best you can, as long as you can. Because out of their heart come the issues of life. The reason we have Samson's story is because he got messed up in sexual sin. Everything about him in the scriptures ties back to his sexual sins. He's a glaring warning for us. So we come to this passage of scripture and we see what it has done to his life. But we have other passages of scripture that that warn against it. It's not just Samson's life as an example. We have 1 Corinthians 6.18 like I just read. Flee this fornication. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, marriage is honorable in all things and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3, 4, and 5, and then verse 7 say this, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, every type of sexual sin, all of it, all type of it, flee it. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. Verse after verse in the Bible tells us to stop. Don't go down this path. I'm saying all of that because the Bible says this. And remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? Every verse in here, the Holy Spirit put it, every word. And the Bible says he loved Delilah. He loved her. That's not somebody's report. That's not somebody's opinion. That's the Holy Spirit saying in verse number four, (coughs) excuse me, that he loved this woman in the valley of Sorek and her name was Delilah. He loved her. You know what's interesting? It doesn't say that about the woman in Timnath that he ended up marrying, by the way. It doesn't say that about this harlot in verse number one. For the first time in in three relationships, we read that Samson loved this woman. She touched his heart in such a way where he was not just giving her his body. He was giving her his heart. He loved her. But love never excuses sin. Love never excuses sin. Samson's relationship with her, regardless of the fact that he loved her, was fornication. People will say, but we love each other. Young people will say, but we love each other. It doesn't matter. That doesn't change sin. There is a famine in our world today when it comes to morality and sexual purity. And it's not being taught in our home. And parents are not expecting it of their children. The school systems don't expect your children or your grandchildren to stay sexually pure. That's why they will offer that's why they will offer birth control free. They don't expect your children to do that. Society doesn't expect young people or single older adults to remain abstinent in their in their relationships and remain pure when it comes to sexuality. They don't expect them. 
Somewhere we've lost that expectation of staying whole. Even God's people have quit drawing the line, and we resemble the world far too much in this. Samson's big, one of Samson's biggest lessons to us is the absolute havoc that fornication brings to our lives. And Christians, you and I should do all we can to keep our lives pure and unpolluted when it comes to this area. I don't care what society says. Young people can remain virgins until they get married. They can do that. Adults and married couples, they can be faithful to their spouse. They can do that. Love never excuses sin. He loved her. I don't doubt how he felt for Delilah. I think he genuinely did love this woman. I mean, the Bible's clear. He did. The Bible doesn't say that about the other two. But the result is still the same, isn't it? This is still fornication before God. So Samson loved this woman. That's verse 4. Verse number 5, Delilah loved wealth. (laughs) Delilah loved wealth. Samson loved Delilah, but nothing indicates that she loved him. These five lords of the Philistines come to her. And each of them offer her 1,100 pieces of silver. That's 5,500 pieces of silver to a woman who probably did not have that much. They come to to her, and this is what they say. Did you see the word in verse 5? Their plan is they want her to entice him. That word entice means to make gullible or make vulnerable. To cause one to let down their guard. To simplify the mind. They wanted her to act innocent before him in order to deceive him. Entice him. Make him vulnerable. Play dumb until we get what we want. What do do they want? They want the secret of his strength. The Philistines were superstitious people. And they probably assumed that Samson had something. Not someone but he had something that made him stronger. Oh, is that a lucky rabbit's foot? Is that a four-leaf clover? What does he have? Doesn't matter. Make him vulnerable. Make him gullible toward you and find out the source of his strength. And here's the thing. Everybody knew he had a weakness for women. He had a very public testimony when it came to his uh, when it came to his morality and knowing he had a weakness for women they exploited that and they took advantage of it and they used her to get to him Satan does that a lot Satan Satan knows our besetting sin he doesn't know it because he's omniscient he knows it because he's a good student of human psychology and human behavior he's had a lot a long time to watch men and women. And he learns about us. And he knows these things. So Delilah, it says, she goes right along with her plans. You would too if somebody offered you what is the equivalent of almost a million dollars in our day. I mean, she doesn't have anything to lose. She doesn't have loyalty to this guy. I can have this Jew that nobody likes around here apparently because these guys are offering me money. Or I can have nearly a million dollars. Samson loved a woman, Delilah loved wealth. And she she didn't care about Samson, 
She only cared about the money that he could bring her. He was basically he, he was basically her, her lottery ticket, the winning numbers of a lottery ticket. She's going to get a million dollars out of this. Well, here's the truth. Delilah represents how Satan works in our lives by setting traps. And that's exactly what goes on. I, I think I've told you before uh, about that Far Side cartoon. It's one of my favorite. I have several that stick out in my mind. Thank you, Gary Larson. But I have several that stick out in my mind. And one of them is that uh, box trap where they're trying to catch a saber-toothed tiger. You remember that? And they've got this box that's leaned up. It's held up by a stick that's propped against it. And they've, they've hung like some big turkey leg or something underneath the box. And so the idea is that he goes under... Uh, the the saber-toothed tiger will go under that box to get that meat, and they pull the rope connected to the stick, and now they trapped him. The only problem is the caveman is standing under the box holding the rope that pulls the stick so that when he pulls the stick, it's going to be him and that cat inside that box. Satan sets these traps that puts us inside a box like that with a cat. It looks like it's going to work for us. We think we're going to get away with this sin, but we're not. This is a trap that's being set for him. God wants to help us escape these snares of Satan by turning to him. I wish Samson had turned his life around. I wish he had learned some things earlier in his life. Because here's the truth. I don't think when we come to Judges chapter 16, we're not talking about a 35-year-old man anymore. There's a good chance that he's in his 40s, 50s, maybe even his 60s. Remember, 20 years passed at the end of chapter number 15. This is an older man. This is not a teenager with raging hormones. This is someone who should have known better. But Satan set a trap for him, and he sets traps for us. And as wise as we might become in our later years, if we're not relying on God, we are going to get trapped by Satan. He sets snares all over the place for us. He lies in wait to ambush. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you know this, verses 13 and 14. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Idolatry is anything that we put before God. Satan wants to trap you. God says, I will make a way of escape. Run to God. Run away from these temptations. So there's this, first of all, a story of love. I I genuinely believe, because the Bible says it, he loved Delilah. But this was a terrible trap. Second, not only a story of love, but theirs is also a story of lies. Everybody's lying to everybody in this thing, aren't they? Look at verse number 6 again. Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, where in thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green withs, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, 
the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and he break the widths as, the, as a thread of tout is broken when it toucheth the fire. That picture is just a burned up thread. I mean, there's nothing left there. He broke it like it was absolutely nothing. So his strength was not known. Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber. And he brake them from his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto, up to this point, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. And she fastened it with a pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. Let's stop right there. Those are the three lies he he gives to her. Um, and let's go. Let's let's look into this. Let's look into this a little bit deeper. There is a story of love, and now we're going to see. There's is also a story of lies. Neither of these two were really honest with each other. She was not honest in her motive, in why she was asking the questions. He was not honest in his answers. And you and I both know the successful or, or the foundation of a successful relationship between a husband and wife, a man and a woman, is always going to be honesty and truth. You can't lie to each other. That relationship will never be built strong on a foundation of lies. If it is, it's just a matter of time till that's going to crumble. It's going, it's going to be a house of cards. Let's look first at Samson's lies, can we? Samson's lies were senseless. Do you see him toying with Delilah this whole time? He's just messing with her. Samson's lies are senseless here. He assumed that he was too smart for Delilah. Do you know what her name means? Do not name your kids, do not name your daughters Delilah. Her name means feeble or empty. In her culture, her name meant feeble-minded or empty-headed. What were her mom and dad thinking? Samson took her name and he just feels he's way too smart for her. There was no way that this woman who's named feeble-minded is going to be smarter than he is. So he plays these games with her. First, he says, if you tie me with seven green widths. Josephus said that that word width is, is, it describes a, a grapevine. So you're taking a freshly cut vine branch and you're tying, you're using that as the rope before it gets brittle and it's easily broken. I mean, you know that from from tree branches and things. Uh, If you take a green tree branch about that big around and you just cut it off the tree and you try stomping that thing against a step or something, it doesn't break very easily. It's too green. Give it about a month and it gets all brittle and it'll break pretty easily. So he says, do this with these green withs, these things that haven't dried out. Tie me up with seven of them. And in verse number 10, it didn't work. And Delilah comes back to him and she's begging him again for the truth. So round two, verses 11 through 13. Now he says, use new ropes. 
Use new ropes. Tie me with use new, new ropes. And, um, and here's the kicker. They should have known that ropes didn't work. Do you remember when they, they tied him up in chapter 15, verses 12 through 15? They tied him up already with ropes. That didn't fly at all. Well, he tells them, tie me with new ropes and it'll work. And the Bible says he broke through those things like a thread. None of these things are working. And Delilah gets angry and she demands the truth. So he comes up with a new one. Now, in, at the, the end of verse number 13, he says, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the web or connect the locks of my hair, I, I picture that, I, and this is just me, it's almost like he's got seven dreadlocks. All this hair that he's been growing his whole life, remember, it's never been cut. They're in seven dreadlocks. He said, if you will weave those things to the loom, weave them to the loom that, you're, that they use to uh, work their flax with, do that, and that will take away my strength. Well, he does that, and the Bible says, the Bible says that he got up and just carried away the whole loom with his head. Nothing is stopping this guy. Now, here's what I want you to see. In that third lie, do you see how emboldened he's getting, messing around with, with this idea of revealing a secret? Because nobody knew the secret of his strength. But do you see in that third one how close he's getting? He's messing around now with a false answer that's related to his hair. Getting close. Getting pretty close. He's toying not only with Delilah, he's toying with sin. He's messing around with the fire here, and he's going, he's going to get burned. In fact, that's the lesson to learn here, the danger of toying with sin. He knew that the, the source of his strength, and yet he's getting involved in this deadly game, and he's toying with not only Delilah, but with sin, and he's getting dangerously close to that hair. Weave my hair into the loom, into the web, he said. And that's the problem that we have with sin as well. People play with sin, and it's almost like we see how far we can go without crossing a line. And I, can I just tell you, I, this, is a terrible way to, this is a terrible way to live and to judge. Seeing how far we can go without making God mad. How far can I go without really sinning? Why don't we go the other way? How close can I walk to the prescription of the scriptures? How, how much can I obey God? Not how far can I go without obeying God, but how much can I obey him? What's another area in my life where I can strengthen my obedience? I was just talking with some folks today, and the, and the verse came up, If you love me, keep my commandments. Instead of seeing how far we can go toward the world and staying in line, how about we see how far away we can get from the world and be more like Christ? Samson, Samson was nowhere near that line of thinking. And a lot of times today we aren't. We toy with sin. We mess around with it. Well, this book or this TV show or this movie, it pushes the edge a little bit. Then why go buy it? Why, why go buy it? Stay away from it. Do those things that edify you and draw you to Christ. Matthew 12, verses 34 and 35 says, It's out of the abundance of our heart that the mouth is going to speak. 
What you go into the hard drive of your heart and your mind, that's what you are going to meditate and think on. You ever had any crazy dreams? And you're like, where did that come from? And then you start thinking about the day before and perhaps a conversation you had or a clip in a movie or something out of a book. And you're like, Pooh, I can see how I can connect that dot. I, I would fill your mind with those things that, that cause you and me to be more like Jesus. Don't toy, don't toy with sin. We, we think we can control it, but we can't. It's only God's grace that makes that possible. Listen to Romans 6, verses 11 through 14. It says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but... Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Don't let your body be used for unrighteousness. Yield your members, your fingers and your eyes and your ears and your tongue. Yield your feet to God and let them be instruments of righteousness unto him. Paul concludes that by saying this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law. You're under grace. We do have those fleshly appetites. Don't feed them. Starve them. Starve them out. Don't feed those fleshly appetites. Put something in there that counteracts our old sinful flesh so that when Satan dangles the bait in front of you, there's not going to be a good attraction to it. But if I feed myself with worldly fleshly ideas and things and notions and philosophies, if I feed myself with those things, Satan will dangle that bait and that appetite that I've been feeding... It will only crave more, and I'll jump on that baited hook. Stay away from it. Mark 7, 21 says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. James chapter 1 and verse number 314 says, But every man when is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. There's that word again. The Greek word enticed means to be trapped. These, I have this in my own flesh. And I don't want to confess your sins, but so do you. You have these things in your flesh. I have them in my flesh. Pride and foolishness, wickedness, lasciviousness, and evil eye. I have those things in me. Every person is capable of every sin. You say, Pastor, I don't agree with that. I, I know. And Satan loves it that you don't agree with that. Because that's one less, because you won't be depending on God like you should. We have these things in us. Am I beating down? Am I beating down who we are? No. God made us, but we have this sinful nature. We are made in the image of God, but we also have this sinful nature. And we've got to be careful not to feed that nature. Samson couldn't help it. Samson ran toward these women. We need to be more like Joseph. Remember Joseph? He got around one woman that came after him that set her eyes on him. And Joseph's plan was simple. 
get out of Dodge. That was how he responded to sexual temptation. Dr. Adrian Rogers said he believes that the reason Joseph fled, ran out of that room, is because he was feeling that temptation. That is a great response to it. Paul later on, maybe thinking about Joseph, Paul later on says, flee it. Flee fornication. Says that more than once. Joseph's got the right plan. Samson, on the other hand, he decided to stay there and play with that little, he decided to play with that little fire. His lies were senseless because all they did was cause him to toy with sin, and that is going to lead, you know the story. You know Samson's story. You're the Wednesday night crowd. It's going to, his toying with sin is going to lead him to disastrous results. It's going to be terrible. So his lies are senseless. Delilah's lies were sinister. What do I mean by that? She was setting Samson up to be destroyed. I think she knew it. I think she knew that she was setting him up to be destroyed. In fact, those men come to her and they say to her, find out his Uh, the source of his strength, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. Her lies were sinister. I said a moment ago that he lied to her because he thought he was smarter than she was. She lied to him because she knew she was smarter than he was. She had him. Here's a guy who couldn't say no to a woman, especially one now that he loved. Her strategy was the same as the woman in Timnath, by the way. If you remember her uh, back at the beginning of chapter number 14, Sam, or, or Delilah's strategy is the same thing. She plays the, the, if you really loved me card. Did you catch that? Samson, you're not telling me this because you're not telling me that secret because you don't love me. Chapter uh, 16 and verse number 15. She said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Then he told her all his heart. Verse number, uh, verse number 15. How can you say you love me, Samson? You're just, you're just lying to me. And she persisted, note this, she persisted in verse number 16. She's pestering him day after day after day for the answer to her, for the answer to his strength. And she finally wore Samson down. That's another good illustration of how sin works in us. Sin is patient. It will keep coming and keep coming and keep coming, constantly pressuring us with temptation. And if you don't respond in the spirit, if you're answering that temptation in the flesh and you're just thinking, well, you know, I'm pretty strong-willed, you're going to have a, you're going to have a time when you come where you, you will wear down. I will wear down. Sin is persistent. It is patient. It is relentless, uh, relentless and it's aggressive. It hammers away. Until, like Samson, our resistance is done. We're saying, I give up. I just can't overcome this. Again, go back to Joseph's philosophy. Flee it. Someone said, playing with sin is like playing with fire. Eventually, you're going to get burned. You know all these guys that handle these poisonous snakes? 
or they get in the cage with the alligators and the crocodiles. You go down to Florida, they have all those shows down there where these guys will get in a, a little pen or something with an alligator. It's just a matter of time. It really is. I'm hope I'm there to see it. It's just a matter of time till that that alligator's tail is quicker than that guy's hand or leg. That alligator's going to get him. And I may I may get away with toying with sin here and here and here, but it's just a matter of time. If I'm not responding to temptation the way I should, it's just a matter of time. For me or for you, we have to be so careful. Playing with fire does lead you to get burned. In fact, the, the wise man Solomon said it like this in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is a big, loud no. You will get burned eventually. Playing with sin always comes at a price. Maybe you and I don't face the same temptation that Samson did, but we will pay a price for indulging those sins that we toy with. We, we will face that sin. Someone said sin ha- always has a cost, and it is never cheap. We will lose our intimate, intimacy with God. We'll lose our fellowship with him. We'll lose our, the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives. We cannot toy with sin. Neither Satan nor our flesh will stop until it ruins a life. That's, its, that's the end. The wages of sin is death. Satan's desire, he walks about like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's the stated goals here. We can't take sin into our lives and play with it and it be, it be uh, just safe for us to do that. We can't toy with temptation. Flee it. Flee it. Just like, just like Samson here, if we continue toying with sin, we are going to find ourselves... We're going to find ourselves in a mess. Sin has a terribly high price. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Sin doesn't care. Sin doesn't care. Satan doesn't care. He doesn't doesn't respect age. He doesn't respect how long you've been saved. He doesn't respect how many Bible verses you or I can quote. He's just going to come at us and come at us and until you die. Remember what, remember what I told you Adrian Rogers said, I wouldn't trust the flesh till three days after I'm dead. Sin, he, he finds in us, Satan finds in us a willing co-conspirator in our flesh. Don't toy with sin. That's the message that we get from Samson in this particular passage is playing with sin is like playing with fire. Eventually you'll get burned. Now, you can use the rattlesnake or you can use the alligator, but however you want to use it, eventually something's going to happen. One of Samson's great lessons for us is, is, is showing us don't play with sin. It's culminating now in chapter 16. We had the woman in Timnath, and we saw how that went. You remember how that went? He never even got to consummate that marriage with his wife, and the next thing you know, she's burned and her father, they're burned in their house. And then there's this, there's this interaction with this harlot at the first part of chapter number 16. 
And there's no real relationship there. That's just, uh, that's just a fling of fornication is all that was. But he comes here and he, he gives his heart to a woman that didn't deserve it. And it, it's going, ultimately, it's going to lead to his destruction. It's a sad story, chapter number 16, and the end, and the end of his life. We're looking at, first of all, theirs is a story of love. He did love her. But it's also a story of lies. They were both of them lying to each other. You can't build a relationship like this. Next week, we're going to wrap this up. Theirs is a story of loss. Theirs is a story of loss. And we'll start next week at about verse number 16 or so, and we'll go through verse number 21. And we'll see, we'll see this. Church, I just, I just want to encourage you. See sin as exceeding sinful. Don't, just don't mess with it. One of the biggest hindrances to revival in the American church is, is that we don't take sin seriously. We tolerate it. We tolerate it in our media. We tolerate it in our entertainment. We tolerate it in our meditations. We don't, follow, we don't follow the scriptures like we should. And when I say we, I absolutely mean we, me, you. We have to see sin as exceeding sinful. I don't, I don't think, a lot of times, I just don't think we see sin as a big as a front. A front, is that the right word? It's an affront to God. It's an offense to him. I just don't think we see our sin as being offensive to God. Excuse me. A lot of times, and we're going to talk about this more next week, but a lot of times we look at sin as far as the consequence on us. And we forget that when we sin, we're dragging the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. We'll look at this next week, but do you remember what Nathan the prophet told David when he'd sinned with Bathsheba? He did all that, and David confessed. David said, I've sinned before God. Or against God, he said. And Nathan said this. God's heard your prayer. He's forgiven you. But because you've caused the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child that is born unto thee shall not live. You see, there's a cost. There's a cost to our sin. And like Randy, preacher Randy Ray said, that cost is higher than we want to pay. Samson's about to find that out. We'll get into that next week in the rest of this chapter. Church, don't play with sin. Don't toy with it. Run from it. Keep your life pure before God. Let's take a few moments, can we? And, and we're going to have prayer tonight uh, from with some, some things going on in our prayer bullet tonight. <coughs> and then at the end of this, um, I'd like to just, uh, I'm going to shut the live stream off and... Uh, Daniel's going to come and shut the live stream off and want to share some things with you. Um, but let's, let's get into our prayer list so that the, those joining us online, they have this, uh, they have this advantage of, of hearing these prayer requests. Um, this Sunday, you see on the front of, you see on the front of there, uh, on this Sunday, we're having Dr. Edwin Shelley. Dr. Edwin Shelley and his wife, Sarah, will be with us Sunday. Please pray for their trip over here. They're coming from the Greenville, South Carolina area. Um, and so please, please keep them in prayer if you would as they come. On the inside of your bulletin, we've only added a couple of new names. Um, 
there in the, the first column, we have all of these folks that we are praying for to be saved. Some of them are some of them are relatives of people here in our church. Most of them are acquaintances and friends. But they all need the Lord, so pray for them. And, and then you know, a lot of these names in this list, they're elsewhere on this list as well, um, with some type of physical ailment. In our second column, we added... Uh, last week, we added a couple of names. We added Tracy Silver and Teresa Woods uh, dealing with their cancer. That's a mother and daughter. Teresa's the mother. Tracy's the uh, daughter. Both of them dealing with breast cancer. And so please pray for them and for all of these folks that are on here. I do want to mention to you, uh, you see Brother Bill Childress on there. Brother Bill came home uh, yesterday from Ash- the Asheville Hospital And he called me today, and we got to talk for about 10 or 15 minutes. It was good to hear his voice. He is so thankful for your prayers. And he said to tell the church family that he's praying for us, that God's continued blessing will rest on Faith Baptist Church, and that he and Van both are so grateful for your prayers. So please keep praying for them. Um, He has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he's chose, he and Van prayed about this, and they're not going to continue any other further treatments for that. Uh, And they're just... uh, I just love the perspective that Bill has. And, you know, if you're struggling, uh, I wish there was a way to have him just talk to our church. I may have him do that if you ever get strong enough. If you're struggling with the end of life um, and you're wondering, what's it going to be like when I get ready to die? I, you, ought to, you ought to just make a visit over. And In fact, he said, tell people if they want to come visit us, they can come visit us. We'd love to have people come over. You ought to just hear that man of God talk about his perspective on going to heaven soon. Um, he's fine with it. He's absolutely fine with it. He's at peace. And, I, when, you know, when I come to the end of my life, if that's how God chooses to take me, that's how I want to be. I just want to be fully trusting in God and saying, Lord, whatever path you have for me. Um, but that's where Brother Bill is at. And he invites your prayers, your continued prayers. And then he said, boy, if somebody wants to come by, you know, we're, we're glad to have him. He said, pretty much I'm going to be here. So, Pray for him and Van there, hoping to be able to come to church soon and uh, present themselves as members to Faith Baptist Church. And so you pray that that will happen, but please continue praying for uh, praying for him. In that third column, um, we've, we've updated um, the brother of, of Susan and Sharon. Peter Doyle uh, is having another surgery on his left shoulder tomorrow. Uh, this is up in Michigan. And he's having a reverse hemor- whoa. Hemo- hemiarthroplasty. Wow. It's a reverse shoulder surgery. Can we just do that? Tissue cultures. Um, they're going to take some tissue cultures to confirm there's no infection there. But please be in prayer for him. This will be his seventh or eighth surgery on this shoulder. Um, and so pray for Peter Doyle, if you would. And then um, also we've added... Virginia Collier to those that are homebound and Virginia the doctors have felt uh, you might remember she had a a valve repair uh, recently that repair is supposed to be good for about nine months the doctors feel like she is doing so well that they have scheduled her for a valve replacement on the 17th of uh, this month so next week she'll be having a valve replacement so pray for Virginia if you would that that surgery would uh, would go well. Um, they said that repair only lasts about nine months, and this is a far more permanent solution for that. Uh, so thank you for praying for her. 
and continue to do that. I think then that means that um, the 17th is what? Next Monday, Tuesday? Um, help me here. Tuesday, right? Tuesday. So her surgery will be Tuesday the 17th. So let's pray for Virginia. Pray for Karen as she ministers to her mom as well. And then these families who are continuing, we're praying for them regarding their, uh, regarding their bereavement. Um, I would like to remind you that we have a grief share event coming up. The Surviving the Holidays event is going to be a week from Saturday. Uh, and if you know of someone that might need that, reach out to them. And they can call the church and we'll give them some information. They can also go to Grief Share's website and they can read up on that. And that might be good for uh, someone that you know. Please pray for our military personnel. Um, I can't help but believe that a lot of our military personnel, especially in the Navy, that have been moved to that uh, to the Mediterranean Sea, uh, they're on higher alert this week. So pray for pray for those men and women that are serving our country. Pray for those that aren't saved uh, that are serving our country, and pray they will come to Christ. And then those that are saved, pray that they uh, are able to influence those around them. On the back of the on the back of the bulletin, we have our missionaries listed here. Uh, Terry and Barb asking us to pray that the Lord will guide them as they plan the training schedule for next year. Also, maybe developing new topics for the smart classes. Um, uh, Jason and Kate, let me just give you a, an update with with uh, Kate. Um, two weeks ago today, she she had a um, a chemo treatment. And the original plan was to have six treatments every other week uh, in the days ahead. And they came to the conclusion this week to, um, uh, to stop those treatments and to enlist hospice care for Kate. I had the opportunity to talk to Jason for a while today. And uh, he wanted me to share with our church family um, where they are at with this. Um, our sister Kate's not going to be long on this earth. Uh, this cancer is progressing, and, and it, it appears as though the Lord's going to take her home and may do so soon. And so I want you to pray for Jason and Kate. Continue praying for their children, Anna and Paul, for Anna's husband, Josh. You know that Anna's expecting. This is a hard time on their family, um, but they're, they're not grieving as though they have no hope. I'm thankful for the promises of God's word. Um, I'm thankful that although this has been a hard decision for them, Jason and Kate are at peace with it. And they wanted, they wanted you to know tonight um, how much they appreciate your prayers. Um, and we, we ask you to continue those prayers for them. Um, one of the things that you can pray is that God will be merciful to Kate. That God will provide her uh, comfort. And then that God will give peace to her and to Jason and to their and to their family. Also to Kate's parents. Uh, they don't live around here. They live, I believe, over in North Carolina. Pray for them. Pray for Jason's parents. Pray that God would pray that God would um, show himself strong. Even, even in such a trial like this, pray that God would show himself strong on behalf of the Christensen family. Would you do that? Um, they are they are worthy servants, faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to pray for Jason and Kate and their family as they continue on, if you would. Also pray for Johannes and Kid working with the deaf in Zambia. Amber Yingling, as she 
uh, is researching her next training, her the, the next phase of her training over there as far as beginning an orphanage. She's looking at different avenues that God might allow her to have some hands-on training in an orphanage. Uh, her heart is ultimately to have an orphanage for these street kids, and um, it's good to see her coming along. I did talk to JJ and... Uh, and LK, I so enjoyed them Sunday morning. I wish they could have been with us all day. But I did talk to them beforehand, and I asked them how Amber was doing with her language studies. LK said, I think she's doing better than she thinks she is. And I appreciated that. And I said, well, you need to tell Amber that. Um, but I appreciate Amber's heart and, um, and continue praying for her. For John and Nikki, they've got some things coming up. Brother John's going to Pensacola uh, Brother John, when is that? Week after next, Pensacola Christian College has their missions emphasis week. Brother John will be down there representing bio. And then he also has a surgery coming up in November, a sinus surgery. So be praying for him, if you would. And then he is going to the Philippines for three weeks uh, to see a couple of different missionaries over there. I'm not sure all who he's going to see. Just kidding. He's going to see Amber, and that'll be great. But he's also going to see our, our missionaries, Nap and, uh, Napoleon and Shirley Donato. And, of course, the Ocampos. But we're looking forward to that. Pray for John, if you would. Burhanu and Wubit. Um, continue praying for the construction process. I learned this last week that they have set a date in mid-January for this building dedication. That's much earlier than I thought it was going to be. Um, I hope uh, that's going to work out. But they've set the date, I think, for, I want to say January 12th? 13th. Close. January 13th. And so... Uh, keep that in mind, if you would. Pray for this, the, the continued progress uh, on that building. And then at the bottom, we listed three missionaries, uh, families that we, serve, that we partner with, Lick, uh, Nick and Lorena serving the Lord in Japan, some of our newer missionaries. What a staggering statistic that is there. 20,000 suicides in the country of Japan every year. Um, they need hope. They need hope in Christ need to know he's the answer. Bill and Carrie served the Lord in a restricted access nation. It was good to see them earlier this year. Kevin and Stacy Berg serve in one of the darkest mission fields, probably in the world, I think, and that's among the Lakota Sioux up in South Dakota. Just a spiritually dark culture. And pray for Stacy and, and Kevin as they serve the Lord there. Um, that's another place, really, where the suicide rate is incredible. Uh, alcoholism compared to the national average is through the roof, and their suicide rate is terrible. A lot of it has to do with the alcoholism, uh, just such a lack of hope. And Kevin and Stacy are there giving the light of the gospel, and I'm thankful, I'm thankful they are. So pray for each of these missionaries, uh, if you would, and let's trust God to, uh, let's trust God to, uh, to meet their needs. Uh, we're going to have prayer for for these in uh, just a moment, and then once we do, I'd like you to remain in here for just a minute, and uh, we'll do some we'll do some chatting for just a minute. Try to explain some things to our church about things coming up soon. Okay, nothing bad. Everybody relax. Take a breath. Uh, there's just some things we don't some things we don't put out on the the live stream. They're for our church family, and this is one of them. Um, it's not a bad situation. It's just something we need some clarity on. All right. So let me pray for us, and certainly pray for these folks we mentioned tonight, um, and then we'll go from we'll go from there. Oh, can I add one more? I'm sorry, I didn't do this. Pam Jones is scheduled for surgery, I believe, in early December. 
Um, she's got to have surgery on both of her kidneys. And so she's got a consultation coming up uh, and then a, a pre-op appointment. And I think early December, she's got her first surgery. She's going to have surgery on one kidney. And then once that heals, she'll have surgery on the other one. So keep Pam Jones on your prayer list if you would too, okay? Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the open invitation we have from a loving Heavenly Father that says we can come boldly to your throne of grace to find help in our time of need. And God, when we look over that list and we see all of these folks who are not saved, they certainly are in great need. And and above every other need that's listed on here, even those who might be in the, the end days of their life, the greatest need of all these folks is that they find Jesus Christ and we pray for them to be saved. Those who are sick and and dying and are without Christ, Lord, our, our heart is, and we know your heart is. You're, you said you're not willing that they perish, but they're going to if they don't turn to Christ. So we ask you to be long-suffering with them and be merciful to them and save them. I pray for all these dozens of people who are listed that are battling cancer. And, Lord, at the top of our hearts list right now is Kate. And we pray for her, and we pray for you to do your work in a merciful way in her body and in her mind and in her spirit. We pray for Jason and his, and his son and his daughter and son-in-law. And we ask, Lord, that your peace would rain down on their house. May they know the very real presence of the Holy Spirit in these days. This is a hard decision for them to come to. And, Lord, I believe with all my heart that they have sought you and they've sought your wisdom. They've asked you for it. And you've given it to them like you said you would. So, Father, I pray that you would give grace to that home. And in each person's life there, Lord, meet the needs they have. I do pray for our brother Bill Childress. And I'm thankful for Bill and Van. And I'm thankful for the perspective they have on your will in their life. Give them grace and give them help according to their needs. I pray for Peter Doyle as he's facing another surgery. And, Lord, if that were me, I'd be discouraged. I don't know where he's at with all that. But that seems like that would be discouraging to have to have so many surgeries on the same shoulder. But you're in charge. And, Lord, I pray that you would guide the surgeon's hands and that this would be effective and successful in this repair that needs to be done. I pray, Lord, for those uh, who are grieving the loss of loved ones. And we ask that you're... Your comfort would be theirs. There's nobody that comforts like you. We try, Lord, and we do what you lead us to do, and we say what we feel you lead us to say to people. But in the end, you're the great comforter, and you're the one that gives peace beyond understanding. So we ask that you do that for these dear families. We pray for Virginia as she faces this heart valve replacement coming up. I'm thankful, Lord, that her doctors feel strong enough about this, that they're going to proceed and So I pray that you would oversee them and strengthen Virginia for that surgery next week and help her to have peace in her mind about it. And I thank you so much for the way Karen honors her mom and cares for her. And I pray that you would bless her for doing that. For each of our men and women that are serving this country, we ask your blessings and your protection on them. We pray again for Israel tonight and for those leading that nation. And Lord, evil has invaded those homes and those towns in Israel. And I pray that you would protect your chosen people, that you'd be with their prime minister and their governmental leaders and give them wisdom. I pray that their soldiers would have a supernatural protection about them and that you would grant them victory 
David often prayed, God, that you would grant him victory over his enemies that encompassed him about. And that's where uh, our Jewish friends are tonight. And so we pray that you would give them victory over evil men and women. I pray, Father, for our missionary partners. And I pray that your blessings would be on each of them. That they would know your sustaining hand. And, Lord, that every need they have, they can be confident uh, you are the source Help us to be aware of what they're going through and needs that they have, whether they're prayer needs or whether they're physical needs that we can meet. And help us to be ready to do that. You've blessed us so much, Lord. Help us to use those resources we have in a way that's going to matter in eternity. And I pray, Lord, for those that are serving in countries that are hostile to the gospel, that you'd protect them. And as they sow the seed, that it would bear much fruit. Thank you again for allowing us to come tonight. Thank you for allowing us to cast all these cares on you because you do care for us. And Lord, in the end, you're the only one who can do anything about this. We prayed to you and asked you to bring Dinah's family home safely, and you did. And we've seen people that we have prayed for to be saved. God, we've seen you save them. And so these requests that we make to you tonight, we are praying them believing in faith that you will accomplish your perfect will. Help us to rest in that. Help us to be satisfied with your will, knowing that you're a good God, you're faithful in all things, and that what you do is for your glory and it's for our benefit, it's for our good. We trust that and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Daniel, if you wouldn't mind, just discontinue our live stream and recording. I want to share something with you tonight, church, and I hope you'll, I, I hope you'll understand how this goes. Um, 